Thank you, Linda, for that great reminder to lift high the cross. And that's what we're to do every day is to lift high the cross of Jesus Christ. We're so glad that you have joined us for worship today, the Sunday after Easter. It's so good to see all of you here today as we worship together. And uh, we just pray that you, you feel God. I'm watching Todd and Kelly down here. They're sitting in separate pews <laughs> up here. <laughs> he, was, he was going. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I just, it just struck me as funny. So. <laughs> Anyway, we are glad you are here today, and I'm glad we can laugh together, aren't you? I'm really glad we can laugh together and enjoy each other's company. But most of all, we pray that you feel God's presence in this place, that as we worship him, he will minister to your spirit, and uh, you will lift him high, lift high the cross of Jesus Christ. If you're a guest today, we welcome you, and we thank you for joining us for worship here today. And I want to remind you that there's a gift for you out on the Welcome Center. If you just go by, there are bags on the end of the Welcome Center, and those are for you. Just pick one up, and there's a gift inside, and then some other information. And if you don't want to know what's going on, there's a QR code on each pew. You can take your camera and uh, snap it, and it, it will take you to our website and tell you everything that's going on. There's also a guest registration form uh, in that, with that QR code, and we'd love to have a, uh, a record of your visit. You can do that at the Welcome Center as well. But thank you all for being here, and may God bless you richly as we worship him. Why don't you stand and greet one another, and then we'll sing together, He Lives, He Lives.
and he is the great way maker. You join as we continue in worship.
Jesus for 
Amen. Thank you all for leading so powerfully and beautifully to speak the name of Jesus. There is power and authority in the name of Jesus Christ. And I've shared on many occasions before when people have been in the depths of their sorrow and their pain, and they could say nothing else but Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. To speak the name of Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And this morning, maybe you're in such a place where you don't even know how to pray, what to pray, what to say. And all we have to do is speak the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit will intercede on our behalf. And he will speak with groans that words cannot express. And this morning, if you feel led by the Holy Spirit, to come kneel at this altar or to pray with an arm of encouragement around someone or to stand from your seat or maybe you're watching today and wherever you may be, you can pray. But maybe you just need to say throughout the prayer, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Speak the name of Jesus. And God knows your heart, and he knows our prayer, even before we ask. So at this time, if you're in this place and you feel led by his spirit to come pray, I invite you to come join me as we lift up our prayers together. Won't you come pray with me today? Father, we bow humbly before a great and awesome God. And Father, as we hear the, this beautiful song, Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's no other name than the name of Jesus that brings power and authority and healing and supernatural strength and wisdom and guidance and forgiveness and salvation. There's no other name given to men under heaven and earth whereby we must be saved than the name of Jesus. One day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And Father, we come today with praise and thanksgiving, but we also come with brokenness and worry and fear and anxiety and and as we just sang, depression and uncertainty and lostness and guilt and addiction and pride and arrogance and confusion and misunderstanding. Oh God, we come to you because you promise to be a refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Father, we lift up those today who are grieving those who are hurting. Father, I, I lift up those who have suffered loss. I pray for Ann Gaunts and the loss of her brother. Bring comfort to this family. 
I pray for Greg and Susan Barnes and the loss of Susan's mother, Vaughn, that you would bring comfort and strength. Lord, I pray for my cousin Greg and Tanya Ross and the loss of Greg's dad. And Father, I pray for my cousin Sue and the loss of my Aunt Bonnie. And God, the list is long. We praise you that Jeannie Mitchell is doing well after open heart surgery. And to God be the glory for the healing you're bringing. Continue to heal her. And oh God, we pray for Carrie Durrett in the hospital that needs your divine touch. Bless her and bless Bill, God. And Father, I pray for Judy Littrell and Eddie who are here today continuing to battle. We pray for your hand to be upon them. Father, we pray for my brother in Christ, Larry Demerit, who goes this Tuesday to the doctor. Bless him. Heal our dear brother, we pray. And Father, the list is long of people who need your touch. Father, I pray for this church and I pray, God, for continued blessing and protection and provision and power to see people come to Christ and to see lives transformed. We pray for this country and for our leaders and, Father, for the people of Ukraine that you would bless them and, Father, somehow bring healing and peace in the midst of this storm. And Father, I pray you would convict Russia's hearts and Putin's heart, Father, that they might have an experience with Jesus. And Father, I pray for people here today that are battling private pain, but you know, God, set the captive free, deliver them from the addiction, from the depression, from the anxiety, from the fear, from the worry, from the health issue. Oh God, we need you every hour, every moment, every second. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to move in this service, continue to play and sing through our musicians, speak through the power of your word and your servant, that our hearts might be transformed that we might have a fresh encounter with Jesus. Bless us, O oh God, and we'll give you all the praise and the glory and the honor and the strong and holy and powerful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm so glad that you're here today. How many of you are glad to be here today? Yeah, about, yes. This weekend has been a beautiful weekend, and what a beautiful way to come into God's house to worship and praise Him. Today, before the choir comes, I appreciate the choir being here today and our instrumentalists. And we hear you prayerfully after the reading of God's Word. But if you have your Bible, we'll be reading from a familiar passage to many of you, maybe new to others, it's 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we're going to be reading one verse, and this translation is a little bit different than how I memorized this verse, 
But out of this particular passage, it reads, For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. This is the word of the Lord, and blessed be the name of the Lord. Thank you all. He is for sure the king of glory. And thank you all for leading so beautifully. I always like to share a little humor. Maybe you heard the story about uh, Pastor Nicholas who was celebrating his 60th birthday and the congregation to show their love and appreciation bought him a new suit for his birthday. And uh, Pastor was so moved that the following Sunday, uh, right as he was getting up to preach, he had a tear in his eye 
And he said, I just want you to know, church, that today I'm preaching to you in my birthday suit. <laughs> That's the joke. <laughs> I'm the joke. This past week, my wife Kelly and I had the joy of getting away for a couple of days to go to a pastor and wives retreat. And I so appreciate you all allowing us to do this. This is the first time that we've ever, we've been to a marriage conference before, but the first time that we were able to get away for something like this. And uh, I'll be honest with you, my thought of a good time was not going to hang out with 170-something other pastors. But my wife said, I said, honey, I'm going for you. I'm going for you. And honestly, uh, after going, it was good for both of us, that there were about 178 pastors and wives there from all over the United States, and even from some from other countries. You know what we discovered as we were at this retreat? It was in Cincinnati. You know what we discovered at this retreat? That we are not alone in our struggles. We also discovered that some pastors are on the threshold of throwing in the towel and getting out of ministry altogether. What we were reminded is that God is the one who fights our battles. And we were reminded that the battle belongs to the Lord. And I don't know what you're going through today, but I'd be willing to say that there are some of you here today and you're struggling. You're struggling with health issues, you're struggling with relationships, you're struggling with finances, you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with addiction, you're, you're struggling with decisions you have to make, and maybe you have been on the verge of throwing in the towel. I want to remind you, as we were reminded this past week, don't throw in the towel because God will fight for you. And the battle belongs to the Lord. And in our scripture passage today, and one that might be familiar to some of you all, we see Timothy who's writing from a dungeon. He's writing from a prison cell called the Mamertine Prison in Rome. And Timothy is in this old cistern, this cold, damp dungeon, about 12 feet underground, this was death row. This was the green mile. This was the last stop. This was a place where criminals awaited execution. And we know from strong evidence and tradition that not long after this, Timothy would be beheaded by wicked Roman Emperor Nero. Beheaded because of his faith and message in Christ. And you think, and we think we have it bad sometimes. And yet here was, here was Paul writing his son in the ministry, Timothy. Why was he writing to, he was writing Timothy for a few, number one, Paul was lonely. Wouldn't you be lonely in a, in a pit, in a dungeon, in an old cistern, in a cold, damp well awaiting execution? Sure you would. He said, only Luke is with me. And he said, I want you to come. And you remember that come before winter message, and when you come, bring my cloak and my, my scrolls and parchments. He, he was longing for 
companionship and longing for God's work. Something my wife and I discovered at this conference that there are a lot of ministers who are longing for friendship, companionship. There's a lot of isolation among ministers. And you know, Paul wrote Timothy to encourage him to be strong in the faith. He encouraged him to keep preaching the gospel, to keep guarding the gospel, to keep standing up for the truth. He encouraged Timothy that you might even suffer for the gospel, persevere in the gospel. In other words, when things get tough, don't throw in the towel. You keep on keeping on. And know that I am going to fight your battle. The battle belongs to the Lord. Now, Timothy, we know, was young when Paul wrote this to him. Timothy had the responsibility to shepherd the congregation at Ephesus. And when he was writing Timothy, he was saying, listen, Timothy, I want you to be prepared for the persecution you're going to endure, for the infightings that are happening, for the false teachings that you're going to encounter. I want you to be ready for all of this, Timothy, and not, not to be afraid. And obviously, Timothy was known to be a little timid and fearful. And that's why in this passage of Scripture, Paul was reminding him, for God, and this is a translation I learned this verse, for God did not give you a spirit of fear or timidity, so if God does not give the spirit of fear or timidity, where does it come from? So who's the one that causes us to be afraid or causes us to be fearful or anxious or worried? We have to assume it's the devil who brings that in each of us. And yet, Paul was reminding him, when all these things happen to me, do not be afraid. Dr. David Jeremiah said that fear comes in when a person focuses on his or her situation and their abilities rather than the sovereignty and the strength of Almighty God. When we focus more on our situation and our abilities rather than focusing on the sovereignty and the strength of Almighty God. And maybe you're here and you've been looking about looking at how big your problem is instead of claiming how big your God is. Because he's bigger than any problem that you and I will ever face. Or any fear that we will ever face. God is greater. Greater is the one that is in me and you than he that is in the world. And you claim that and you remember that. But maybe you're here today. And you've been afraid. It's not uncommon to see people afraid in Scripture. I think about when the disciples on that story you've heard so many times were on the boat with Jesus in Mark chapter 4. And that great unexpected tempest or squall came. And remember the disciples were watching this storm and Jesus was asleep on the stern of the boat. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And you know the story. Jesus stood up probably lifted his hands and said, peace, quiet, be still. And immediately the winds and waves died down and it was completely calm. And then in verse 40 of Mark chapter 4, he said, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? 
In other words, what's it going to take before you start having faith over your fear? Have faith. And then you think in other instances when, when people were afraid. You know, all through scriptures, you would see an angelic presence, whether it was in the birth or at the resurrection, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Constantly reminding us that we do not be afraid. For God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity. So what do we do? What do we gain from this? Well, Paul didn't only say, Timothy, remember, fear and timidity, timidity does not come from God. But here he gave the prescription. He gave the antidote for fear. He said, for God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but a spirit of power. We're going to call this courage. We're going to call this courage. For God did not give a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. That's courage. So many of you are here today, and, and maybe you're lacking the courage to do something God has been wanting you to do or wanting us to do. I, I think about out of Joshua when Moses had passed away, and, and he called Joshua to step up and lead the Israelites to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. You remember what he said in Joshua 1, verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. And in verse 9, he said, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we can claim that. And we know that he gives us his power, his courage to, to do whatever it is he's calling us to do, and, and whom the Lord calls, he, he always empowers, he equips. We think about what he said in Ephesians, Paul said in Ephesians 1.19, we thank God for his incomparable great power to us who believe. He gives incomparable great power to us who believe. You know, as we were at this conference there was a band there that Kelly and I both looked at each other and said, we need to get them in church. The Jason Lovin Band. And matter of fact, uh, he went to Moorhead State about the time my wife went there, and, and their band was formed from the BSU at, at uh, Moorhead State University. And they were a band that not only did contemporary, but they did old hymns with the twist, spiced it up a little bit. Anyway, they were great. I mean, and they did Big Daddy Weave's song, The Lion and the Lamb, that, that one of our praise teams does. Our God is a, is a lion, the lion of Judah, who's roaring with power and fighting our battles. And to hear 178 pastors and wives singing that and lifting holy hands and, and weeping to God, I was touched, I was moved, because I felt like we all knew exactly, and God know, knows exactly what we have been through and are going through, and yet we were singing, our God is a, is a lion, he's roaring with power and fighting our battles. 
It was such a moving experience that I came out of there just uplifted. But you know, we, we have to stand up for Jesus. Paul said in, in Romans chapter 16, verse 1, do not be ashamed, or chapter 1, verse 16, he said, do not be ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for those who believe in him. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. And if you would read on in verse 8 of, of 2 Timothy chapter 1, he tells young Timothy, do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. We are not to be ashamed. We are to stand up for truth, to stand up for the Lord, knowing he's fighting our battles in the midst of our struggles. And I started thinking about having the courage to do some things that maybe we've been afraid to do. You know, I started playing men's church softball out at the old Peaks Mill School when I was about 11 or 12. All my older brothers played, and whenever they didn't have enough to, to fill the roster, they would stick 10 or 11-year-old Todd or 12-year-old Todd back behind the plate to catch. And, and I remember this was the men's league out at old Peaks Mill School, if any of y'all remember. And I remember when it'd be my turn to bat, the coach said, Todd, it was Jeff Shaw. Terry, if you're here, it was your husband, Jeff Shaw. He'd say, Todd, make yourself small so you can take a walk. <laughs> I was already small, but I'd make myself as small as I could. Until finally, one day, I had the courage to swing and hit the ball and to run. Some of y'all maybe need to have the courage to take a swing to hit the ball. Some of y'all are here today, and maybe you, your child or grandchild, you played soccer, and you're always afraid to take a shot at the goal. Why? Because I might miss. We sat outside, watched our youngest daughter play soccer. Afterward, you know, I want to be encouraged, and she asked me, my oldest two never would ask me. She said before the game, Dad, do you have any pointers? And I said, honey, if you get an open shot, you take it. You take that shot. And after the game, I said, good game, honey. She said, that didn't sound very convincing. <laughs> I said, what? I can't win. I said, good job, honey. You did well. And I said, there was an opportunity, honey. You could have you shot that you missed it. Have the courage to take the shot. And if you miss, that's okay. Michael Jordan in basketball missed a whole lot more shots than he ever made. But yet he's considered the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And so many people are scared. Maybe you need to have the courage to share Christ with that classmate or that teammate, young person. Maybe you need to share Christ with that coworker. Uh, you need to be willing to speak the truth in love and confront sin. Maybe God is asking you to do something that's out of your comfort zone, but no, the Lord promises to be with us. When I was preparing for this, I couldn't help but think, um, talking about being encouraged maybe to speak out. I'll never forget that when I was single and I was living over at the parsonage, this church called me to pastor here when I was single. I didn't want to stay single. I wanted to get married one day and I'd known Kelly and her family for many, many years, and they had come to join this church, and she was, a, I guess, a junior at Moorhead State University, and, and I remember 
one day I was out jogging. I would run, and, and I ran down Ducker's Road over into Spring Hill subdivision, and that's where Kelly and her family lived. And, and I was going by her house on Farmbrook Circle, and, and so happened that, that my in-laws, Bill and Phyllis, were out on the front porch. Well, I started talking with them, visiting with them on the porch, and then it got dark, and my father-in-law said, I'll take you home, and you don't need to run out on 421 after that. I said, okay, okay. And I remember like it was yesterday, pulling in the driveway at the parsonage, and, and me sitting there looking at Kelly's dad, who some of y'all know him. He, he's, again, he's a, he's a man, he's a hunter, he's a fisherman, he's an outdoorsman, you know, tough guy exterior, but has a, has a teddy bear heart for those of us who know him. And, and I remember I was there trying to get my nerve up to ask him if I could ask his daughter out on a date. I didn't have to. I was trying to play by the rules. And so I remember like it was yesterday, I was sitting there in that truck of his, and I said, <clears throat> Bill, I said, uh, what would you do? Would you shoot an older man who would ask your daughter out on a date? And he said, it depends on who the man is. <laughs> I've never forgotten. I said, well, Bill, would you shoot an older man carrying a Bible? <laughs> if he would, a true story. And he said, it depends on who the man is. <laughs> With that, he had a secret stash of cigarettes and as he had stopped smoking, but had a hidden stash under his visor. I remember him taking one out, light one up, and sticking his leg out his truck window. <laughs> and praise God, I had the courage to ask because 21 years later and three kids later, God blessed what I had the courage to ask. Some of you all are here today. Oh, there's more funny to that story for another time, okay? That's not it. But God wants to bless some of you all here today, and you haven't had the courage to do what you know he's been leading you to do. Just haven't had the courage to, to take the shot, to make the kick, to, to ask the person out, to share with the Lord your heart to be a witness to that person you work with every day or you sit by in the cafeteria or you play on the team with. God is waiting for you and me to be strong and very courageous for God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity but a spirit of power, courage. And then secondly, compassion, which is love. And in this context, he's talking more specifically about Timothy showing love to his congregation at Ephesus. He's talking more specifically about showing compassion and love to the people that you're going to be ministering to. We know early on when Jesus was trying to prepare his disciples for his crucifixion and then later his resurrection in a passage we often refer to out of John chapter 13, verse 35, 
By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What when Jesus was asked by one of the teachers of the law, Master, out of all the commandments, which one is most important? Which one is greatest? We read in Mark 12, 30 and 31, the most important one or the greatest one is this, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. Why do you think when we receive the fruits of the Spirit found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love. That's the first fruit of the Spirit that we would have love for one another. Love for brothers and sisters in Christ. Love for God's church, for the congregation. Now I want to tell you all this. For almost 24 years, we've had the privilege of serving as your pastor and wife at this church. I think they did a breakdown of how many pastors have been at churches until two years ago the average time that a Baptist pastor would be at a church was three years. Now they've raised it to six years. And they said that's because a lot of the pastor's wives have gotten jobs and are helping financially support. But I think we were only, what, were there five or like six that were in the 20 to 25 years of serving in the same church? For almost 24 years, we have tried to love you all well. We have done our best to love you well, and you all have loved us back in spite of our shortcomings. We have had a love relationship. We have tried to be there for you when you were married. We married you, many of you. We tried to be there when you had the birth of your child. We celebrated with you. We changed diapers together. We tried to be there when your family member was sick in the hospital. We tried to be there when you lost your loved one and preached your family's funeral. We've tried to be there when you and your spouse have had marital problems, and we've tried to pray you through it. We have been there when you have had a rebellious child on drugs, we were there to show love and support. But that's why during this time of pandemic that we've been through, it's been so difficult. We did not have pandemic 101 at Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. We have done our best to love you all, not only through this past season, but all the seasons of your life and ours. And through this time, I have to be honest with you all, if you all don't know this by now, in almost 24 years, I try to be a people pleaser. I always think about others before I think about myself. I think about the good of the church and not the good of Todd Lester. I try to make a name for Jesus, not for Todd. I don't self-promote, I Jesus promote. That's what I've tried to do. And I want to tell you all, it hurts when people leave the family. It hurts when you say, I was there for you when this happened and this happened 
and this happened. And I want to tell you, it's not just us. It was many other pastors in the same position that we were in. One pastor's wife crying to kill him because she can't live up to the expectations of the women in the church for a pastor's wife. And many times we don't air out our dirty laundry because as I've made the, the reference many times, good management at a restaurant keeps the problems in the kitchen. You don't have to come out and say, we found a rat in the kitchen. <laughs> we don't come out and say, uh, the cook quit today. People usually go to a restaurant for good food, good service, good atmosphere, good people come to church for the same reason. They want good food, they want good worship, good atmosphere, and you may not know that there was a rat in the kitchen. And you don't care. So there's no reason to come out and express all kinds of garbage that's not glorifying to God. Just like Scotty Scheffler I mentioned last week who just won the Masters, he said, I play golf to glorify God. I serve as your pastor to glorify God and to bring people to Christ. And during this season of pandemic, we've lost people. My wife met a lady at this conference in Cincinnati who shared that she had some relatives that used to go here but now go to another church because they didn't like how we handled the pandemic. I want to tell you, it hurts. I literally cried over making decisions about what would keep you safe during this difficult time. I tried my best. Half of you thought it was a hoax. The other half were scared to death. But I, we tried. I didn't miss a Sunday of standing up here preaching my heart out to an empty church. I didn't miss a Sunday. But yet there are people who are not in your shoes who are quick to say, well, I sure wouldn't have. You wouldn't have had to make a reservation if I were. But yet you don't mind to make a reservation to go anywhere else to do anything else. That was because we had our hands tied to only have a limited number of people for a season. It had nothing to do with my politics. It had to do with me loving people more than my personal opinions. And that's what I and we have tried to do, is to love you well. And yet when people leave, you're part of the family. When you love much, you hurt much. We are hurt when people leave the family, especially when they don't always know why they're even leaving. But I want to tell you, this past week, this was put in my box. I don't know who it's from. It's anonymous. Most of the time when somebody sends an anonymous letter, it's because they're saying something bad. I get anonymous letters in the mail. I'm like, I can't wait to read this anonymous letter. <laughs> it's going to be so encouraging to me. Oh, it was from Louisville, or at least that's where it was put in the mail. I have no idea who this is from. And I guess, I, I don't know, maybe they sent in an offering. And I want you all to know, I don't know who ties and who doesn't. I never see if you give or what you give. I made that decision years ago. 
that's none of my business. That's between you and the Lord. So if somebody sent in their tithe, which they may have because there was a little paper clip, the ladies that count the offering put this in my box. And here's what it said. Dearest tithe, you don't know who I am, but I know who you are. <laughs> I have faithfully watched your Sunday morning sermons for years now. I take notes and use your preaching, teaching to write a prayer with God's help, a prayer to our precious Lord. This prayer is shared by many. I want you to know that the outreach of your sermons, listen to this, even jokes sometimes are given to many. Someday you may be called to preach my funeral and I may be called to preach your funeral. As I said, you don't know me, but I know you and my family does too. Keep up God's journey for you. Just remember, I'm the one that's in the back pew in the back row miles away. After sometimes hearing all the negative and all the complaints and all the struggle, it's good to hear a positive word. To know that somebody's watching, and I don't know why they didn't say, if you're watching today, say your name, say your name. <laughs> I want to thank you. I want to thank you for sharing a positive word. It may have been my wife who wrote it. I don't know. <laughs> but I want to tell you all this. I'm a fellow struggler just as you are. But I've got the responsibility to lead a flock or a congregation with God's help to the best of my ability. For God did not give a spirit of fear or timidity, but a spirit of power, that's courage, of love, which is compassion. And Paul said in Ephesians 4.32 that we are to uh, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another just as in Christ God forgave you. We are to be kind and compassionate, loving and forgiving one another. Lastly, he gave us a spirit of power, love, and, and lastly, it's control or self-control, self-discipline, or some translations say a sound mind. And when we say self-control, it's really not our, us self-controlling, it's God controlling through us. What is the ninth fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.23? We start with love, and what's the last? Self-control. Peter said in 1 Peter 5, 8, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, also prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we know that he's prowling and preying on people like you and me too. But we have to be self-controlled. We have to be Alert, we have to watch. And when it says to have a sound mind, I, I can't help but think about out of uh, Philippians 4.8 after Paul just gave the do not be anxious about anything in 6 and 7, but, but pray in everything with prayer and petition with thanks and present your request to God and the peace of God that pass all of us will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And then in verse 8 he says, and finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's a sound mind. We're thinking about things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent. We come full circle. And more than anything, we're thinking about Jesus. We're thinking about Jesus. And Paul was saying to his son in the ministry, Timothy, and remember where Paul is when he's writing this. He was being an encourager from the pits of hell. He was there ready to die for the cause of Christ. And yet he was given an encouraging word to his son and to you and to me. And I want you to know today that God promises to be with us even in the pit of despair and loneliness and sin and guilt and, and heartache and pain. Some of you all had to take medication just to come today because you're in such pain. Some of y'all have been here today, but you're saying, I don't know why God still has me here on this earth because I'm ready to go. But you're here. And God has a reason for you being here. And my prayer today is if you don't know him, that you would allow him to come into your heart and into your life. And all you have to say, Jesus, Jesus, forgive me and come into my heart and save me. As simple as that. And mean it. And he will save you and be with you from here into eternity, through eternity. Maybe you're a Christian, just like we're Christians. We're ministers even. And there have been times where you've just wanted to throw in the towel and say, I can't do this anymore. I can't make everybody happy. And maybe you're at that point in your marriage, in a relationship with a family member. I, I just can't do it anymore. Hang in there and give the battle to the Lord and say, I couldn't do it, but you can. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or maybe you've been looking for a church home. I, I'm so thankful. As we were listening, Kelly and I became friends with a couple of couples that we ate. They fed us a lot at this con. We ate a lot. I mean, we had breakfast bar at 8 o'clock at 9.15. They said, where's snack time out in the lobby? I'm like, we just had breakfast bar. But we ate a lot. They were trying to fill us up physically and spiritually. I mean, it was awesome to have fellowship with other co-laborers, to have teaching, and to have encouragement. I can't tell you, because we all give our lives to encourage people. It was so nice to have said, but this one couple... They were from West Virginia, but they had just moved from England. They had been serving at an Air Force base in England for the last 11 years or 10 years. They've only been in West Virginia for nine months. But it was a small, struggling church. I thought, how blessed we are. Another couple was from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. He's at the point of retirement. He could retire, but he does it because he still loves the Lord. A small church. And I said, how blessed we are. 
but we understood that no matter the size of the church, where there are people, there will be problems and struggles. But yet, if we would all keep our eyes upon Jesus, there's no fault in him. Maybe you're here today and you want to come and give your life to Jesus. I do it to glorify God, but I do it also to point people to the only hope we have, which is in Jesus Christ. Do you know him today? It would be my privilege. And here's the other thing. When I was talking about courage, I left this out. The only reason some of you all have never made a profession of faith is because you've been afraid to walk up and worry about what people think. You will be paralyzed the rest of your life with fear until you step out on faith and let God carry you the rest of the way. Have the boldness to say, help me to do what I've been wanting and needing to do for many years now. Won't you give your life to me? Or maybe you're a Christian. You said, you know what? I'm one of those that I've been complaining and fault-finding and criticizing and you know what, that's not glorifying to God or edifying to my brother or sister in Christ. And I want to make it right today. I want to get my life where it needs to be. I'd love for you to come. Or Some of y'all have been visiting for years and, and never joined this church. I know you don't want to give up guest parking, but please. <laughs> please. Come today. And we would love to welcome you into this family of faith. May we pray together. God, I pray right now in the stillness of this moment that your Holy Spirit would lead us with courage and boldness to do what you've been convicting us to do for quite some time. Lord, maybe there's someone that just needs to say, Jesus, 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 come into my heart and save me. Lord, maybe there's someone that needs to come today and, and say, I want to be a part of this church family. I feel the Holy Spirit here, and, and I believe in what they're trying to do. Lord, we would welcome them with open arms. Or Father, maybe there's someone here that they're already a Christian, but yet their lifestyle has not been God-honoring or glorifying. Our words, our actions have not been glorifying or edifying. Oh God, I pray you would convict Christians that need to come back to you and say, forgive me, Lord. I'm ready to get serious about living the kind of life you would have me to live. Whatever our decision, Lord, may we be bold and courageous to come. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're in this place, I'm going to invite you to stand and come as we sing a hymn of invitation. It would be my privilege to pray with you. Whatever your decision, won't you come as we sing together?
Amen. I want to thank you all for being here on this beautiful Lord's Day. I pray that you would leave here encouraged, that you would know the battle belongs to the Lord and that he is the one that fights for us. He is the Lion of Judah who's roaring with power and he's fighting our battles. Continue to remember that and remember this passage that Paul gave Timothy and us even when he was facing a near execution he was still fighting a good fight. And may we continue to do the same thing. I hope you'll come back tonight. Tonight, 6 o'clock in this place, the Old Forks Pickers Club will be here in concert. So you don't want to miss it. <laughs> Call your friends. Wake your neighbors. Bring them in. They'll receive a blessing. It's this group that has been such a bright spot through this time of uh, pandemic, ministering all over the state. Guys, we look forward to or praying for a great night tonight. Also, don't forget, we have children's activities. Our youth are meeting tonight. This is a service where we come together, service. And, uh, but our youth are meeting uh, with special speaker. I hope you'll come tonight at 6, and then concert for everyone else. It's going to be a great night. You don't want to miss it. I hope to see you back tonight. Hope you have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you all for hearing my heart today. Know how much Kelly and I love you and appreciate your love and prayers that you show us. Bill, if you would close us in song, and Kelly, come stand by your man. <laughs> May we pray, oh God, thank you for loving us. Life is worth living because of your love and that you live in us. May we leave here today encouraged and inspired, oh God, to uh, not be uh, fearful or timid because we have your spirit that you do give us of power, of love, self-discipline, a sound mind. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you.